This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society. And we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. Well, hello, Hearts of Oak. We've just arrived up in Rotherham, uh, come up the train from London, and we are here because we want to talk to Elizabeth. Uh, we've had Elizabeth on our live stream before, uh, so instead of having her online, we thought we would actually come up and get to talk to her, uh, to meet with her, and to go around some of the areas in Rotherham uh, that stand out as places that are grooming gang spots uh, obviously the council have failed the police have failed failures of many institutions so we're hoping to go and i think alan you're going to do most interviewing you know elizabeth obviously uh, better so you're going to be speaking with her sure and also just bear in mind that rotherham is in many ways the epicenter of the whole grooming uh, scandal uh, and crime social crime because it's the best known one that happened in many towns up and down the country, especially across the north and the midlands. But Rotherham is the most notorious for it, primarily because of the J report, which came out and said, here at Rotherham, they say 1,400 girls had been groomed. Actually, some of the uh, survivors themselves say it's 1,700 or more. But whatever, we're going to try and uncover some of it and try and hold the authorities responsible. We know that the Rotherham Council ignored uh, the fact they knew it was happening, social services knew it was happening, uh, South Yorkshire Police knew it was happening, the whole grooming thing, but they did nothing. So we're going to try and expose some of that through Elizabeth's own story. That's the idea of it anyway. Last turn, we're obviously just outside the town hall, uh, and it's, I think, talking to an individual who has suffered makes it human because you look at the figures and the figures tell one side of the story uh, but I know Elizabeth is extremely brave and wants to tell her story and put it across so uh, Alan I think we'll go and find Elizabeth and talk to her and see what she has to say. Let's go. Thank you. Well Hearts of Oak is spending the day here in Rotherham in South Yorkshire with Elizabeth who's one of the survivors of the notorious Rotherham grooming gangs or one of the gangs or a number of gangs of course and we're spending the day with her we've come here to truly try and understand her story and particularly look at the areas where she was failed by the various authorities be it South Yorkshire Police, Rotherham Council, Social Services and so on and so forth I think we're going to even hear that the BBC let her down as well, and not surprising either. So all sorts of people have been letting her down, even up to date, when Elizabeth's been let down by the by the prison authorities, and we're going to hear that something about that too later. But here we are, we're parked outside the uh, block of flats where, for Elizabeth, it all started. Uh, uh, and I think I've got that right, have Elizabeth? Uh, you have, yeah. Okay. So you can tell, you were, you were brought here, you were groomed to come here, weren't you? Um, yeah, that, that flat I was um, groomed and sexually exploited where I was locked in that property for 10 weeks. Uh, various taxi drivers um, frequenting the flat um, and that's where Shafina lived, the woman who um, facilitated my abuse. Um, that lady, um, it came to lie um, that she had actually got nine different aliases. And in uh, 1999, which were four years prior to um, me meeting her, she'd um, set up a fake uh, rape crisis hotline, which South Yorkshire Police had intelligence of that and shut it down. Um, also, Rotherham Borough Council had uh, 
gave her taxi contracts to pick children up from school. Um, so she were well known to the authorities. And she owned this, or she had this, this was her flat at the time? Yeah, she rented it from Rotherhamborough Council. So it's a council flat, she rented it from them. She did. And she had you and a lot of other girls in there as well? Uh, there were one other girl uh, when I first arrived there, but shortly after she disappeared. So you were in there on your own? Yeah. Um, for ten weeks? Ten you weeks. Let, she wouldn't let you out? Um, no. You couldn't get out? And men would just come and... Yeah. Have their way with you and do their yeah. business there. That's yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. How do you feel about it when you see this flat now? Um, it go, it actually goes through me to be fair, yeah. um, but it's darkness from the past, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And you, you said I, I believe that there was a woman who lived in this block, uh, a bit up the top of the block there, who saw what was going on. Yeah. and reported what was going on to the police yeah. and to social services and to other authorities. Yeah. And uh, so when she she saw these men coming into the flat and all the rest of it, she reported it, yeah. and they did nothing. Is that right? Yeah, they, that? They, they did nothing. They didn't listen to her or anything like that. And then, obviously, in 2018, um, the National Crime Agency had managed to track her down and she actually become one of the witnesses what finally nailed one of them as well. So the one, the the the, the perpetrator, we call them that, the perpetrator who's in prison because yeah. of what he did to you, yeah, and still in prison, yeah. When the court case came up in 2018, yeah, this woman from that block up, uh, from the flat yeah, up the she, top there, she, she was a, a witness on your side. She were, yeah. yeah. So fantastic, yeah. It must have been horrendous for her too. I mean, horrendous for you and and all the other girls for her mm. to know what's going on. Yeah, um, must have been pretty horrendous. Yeah, that's your dad. Okay, I'm standing here with Elizabeth's dad and uh, outside the flat where it all started for uh, Elizabeth, where she was in prison for 10 weeks. And her dad was quite heavily involved because uh, he found himself arrested outside here. Can you tell us more about what happened, please? Yeah, uh, I'd got a phone call to say where Elizabeth was. So I come across, because I lived on next to state, I come across, uh, banged on the door, I saw a movement in curtain, then within probably five minutes a police car arrived they asked me what I was doing I told them they arrested me and uh, took me back to where I lived and then they arrested me so I was sat in the house obviously getting madder can this before you go so Elizabeth was in there you tell the police that she's in there you come to get her out yeah. and they arrest you yeah okay they didn't go in and find out about Elizabeth no they never went in at all so obviously I'm sat in house again and uh, I will get getting more and more frustrated. So I, I come back over to the flat. One hour later or something, was it? It was about 20 minutes. Right. Okay, yeah. So uh, with it, it seemed within minutes a, a, a van pulled up this time and there were, I think there were two or three officers. They arrested me, took me down to the police station. Uh, took me in pl- police station they didn't take me to where they usually charge people and that. They took me straight through into a room near cells. So I'm in there. About half an hour later, they come and got me, come on, you're going. I went, what do you mean? Uh, just follow me, they said. So I followed them and it, they took me through offices and out to, from uh, where police station is, we public going. And they warned me if I come back to the flat, I'd be arrested for stalking. Because stalking laws had just come in then you know, serious ones. So they let me go. 
But what happens if you take like, my daughter's in there? I want my daughter out. Yeah. What do they What do they say to you? She she what she isn't in there, or she wants to stay in there, or what do they say to you? The way just it was what they were saying to me. It was what they were threatening me with. You know what I mean? They wouldn't answer me questions. Why wouldn't they get her out? Why wouldn't they let me get her out then if they don't want to do it? And I just kept kept coming back all the time. Look, you're targeting you're targeting people because of the race. I said I'm not at all. It's because of what they're doing. These are grown men. Anyway, they. So they're accusing you of being a racist, in effect, because you're going around trying to rescue your daughter, and they have, they're Asian men, they're Pakistani men. 100%. And that's all, that's all we used to get. We made over... Me, me and her mum uh, made over 200... And we can prove this, because we've got paperwork, over 200 phone calls and over 200 incidents to South Yorkshire Police, and they didn't act on one. Not one. And I've still got phone bill to prove it, because we were phoning that many times and on phone that long, it come to, and this is going back, remember, nearly 20 years, it comes to about 500 and something pound phone bill for the month. All through your phone calls that you're making, all to the South Yorkshire Police. Did, what did you contact, Rotherham Council, social services or anything like that? Yeah, did you have any contact? Yeah, we, we contacted social services. Uh, they sent somebody out, she wasn't a social worker, she was just uh, somebody what dealt with... Uh, kids you know like they help social worker themselves and all we used to get off her is she used to threaten elizabeth all the time if she didn't behave she'd be put in a secure unit which which is like a prison in it for kids yeah. so and that, that's all we got they're choosing young girls like they're they're, they're adults and they're choosing to do it rather than their, their children who yeah. they're right oh, it's unbelievable isn't it tell me go back to south yorkshire police you don't have very high views of South Yorkshire Police, right? Sorry, you don't have very high view, views of uh, South Yorkshire Police. You were telling me earlier about an incident that happened just seven weeks ago? Yeah, I was in... Uh, it's known as an hotspot in Rotherham. It's Clifton Park. It's a grooming hotspot, is it? Yeah, grooming hotspot. And uh, me and my wife pulled up, and I, I happened to notice there's an extension onto car park which fuels were blocked off by a park cabin. And I happened to notice there were three cars so as I approach because obviously I can't help it when, I, when I'm out and about I'm constantly on watch all the time for different things because of grooming yeah. I can't help it it just happens and as I began to walk up to the cars I got my phone out to start recording number plates in case anything were reported as soon as I did that they drove past me quick but these were again Asian men Pakistani men because of the way they were dressed, you could tell. And the kids in the cars must have been 12, 13-year-old, underage white girls, again. But as soon as I did that, boom, they'd gone. So the, the, it's, it's still going on. This was just a few weeks ago. It's still going on here in Rotherham when Asian men are grooming these, these girls, get them in their cars and take them away. It's still not... It's just not still going on. It's as bad now as it's ever been. And when police and council are saying it's not, they're telling blatant lies, because it is. It's worse now than ever. And do you think everybody around here knows that, but just the, the council and the police are just living living their lie? Yeah, everybody knows it. E- even people what don't know about CSE and grooming, they know what's going off. And they're doing it openly as well. They're not trying to hide what they're doing. You've only got different hotspots in this town. You've only got to go to them. 
and you'll see them openly men in the 20s 30s with underage white girls but you report it and all you get is you've no proof uh, or either you can't just go accusing people of things like that because it's racist that's all you get that's the only two answers they ever give you mm-hmm. and it's not that at all it's they should be doing the job they're not doing it because they're not fit for purpose South Yorkshire Police wants shutting down he, he, he needs somehow reorganising because you get nowhere with this grooming nowhere it needs shutting down now because they're just trying to protect themselves the whole time aren't they yeah but they blatantly know what's going on and they blatantly again like they did 20 years ago right not doing anything thank you very much indeed I'm here in Boston Park which is uh, surrounds Boston Castle as you can see here from the notes it's a grooming hotspot according to Elizabeth Elizabeth is going to tell us a bit about it. It's, as you'll see in a minute, it's fantastic views out over Rotherham. And apparently many of the girls are brought here and uh, are groomed and a lot of the sexual activity takes place here. So, Elizabeth, can you tell us a bit about it? It's, it's, it's happened historically here or it, it's still going on now? or, or is, is, What's happening? Yeah, it happened historically, but I don't think it's a current thing as well, um, as you can tell. <laughs> Um, I think because it's out of the way and it's quite um, silent and things like that, they think that they're not going to get caught. Um, whereas before it was a nighttime thing, as you can clearly see, it's like um, a daylight thing as well. So the girls are brought here, uh, sometimes by cab, sometimes by car, they're brought here, and then the activities take place in this park here, all around the place here. Okay, should we walk around the front? Lots of people here at the moment. We'll walk around the front and have a look. Is that all right? Uh, sure. There seems to be a lot of activity going on here. Uh, there's tremendous views out. Tremendous views out over Rotherham. <laughs> but lots of woods around, lots of trees around, lots of secluded areas. And, of course, this castle, which was the hunting lodge of the uh, uh, Earl of Effingham at one stage, back in its history. <coughs> Okay, let's stop here, shall we? I think that's quite good views there. You can see right out over Rotherham. So spectacular views of the town. And uh, and this is what you're saying is one of the hotspots. Has been and still is. Yeah. Have you ever brought here yourself? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, loads of times. It's As I said before, it's because it's quite derelict, basically. Um, turn around a little bit. I, yeah. I know you'll be pixelated, but it's so to speak. It's quite derelict and quite, people think that they're not going to get caught by using it. Um, the police and everything know that it's a well, well-known hotspot, but as you can see, <laughs> they don't... So, 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 so yeah, please don't come here and check it out and look for uh, victims or anything like that at all. They just let it happen and it's just recognised as a place. I've come here with Elizabeth to see Risky Business Building, but we're shocked to see, or at least Elizabeth is shocked to see, it is no more. Indeed, the land upon the which the risky business business uh, was was built is now being sold off and going for auction. But this is the place. Risky business was a teenage sexual health centre where many of the girls, who survivors and victims, uh, who were groomed, would come and meet with Jane Senior and various other of her team and relate to them, talk to them, and so on. So we'll ask Elizabeth about her experience of how she got on at uh, at risky business. 
Elizabeth, how did you first come here to Risky Business and meet Jane Senior? Um, I met Risky Business because they turned up at the flat door, um, two ladies, and one of those ladies become uh, Sarah, become um, my worker for quite a lot of years. Um, yeah. So- so she came, or two two women came to the flat we've just been to, where you were being room, where you were held for ten weeks and so on. How did, somebody must have told them to come there. Um, I I don't think they were told to go there because risky business always went beyond, over and beyond. Um, and looking back now, I, I always say that they put themselves at risk trying trying um, trying to get me out of that flat. Um, which is something that I will never, ever forget. Risky Business were a lifeline for not only me, but a lot of girls and and even boys in Rotherham. The J Report, of course, said there were 1,400 girls who were were groomed, and many of them would have come here to Risky Business. Yeah, um, I think the the last figures that I looked at uh, were Alexis Jade found 1,400, but the National Crime Agency had actually found 1,706 um, victims, which some of those were boys as well. How many were were boys, do you know? Um, Not quite sure on that figure. And I mean, that's that's, that's 1,700 or whatever it is, out of a town of, say, 200, 250,000 people total, and out of of a... Pakistani Muslim population that's probably only 10% of that so you can do the maths and work out uh, as a a big business amongst the Pakistani community. I do actually think that there's a lot more than 1,706 because what we always have to look at is the fact that some people will have slipped the net, some people won't have been known to authorities so really how many victims are in Rotherham. And when you came here, you come in and you'd be helped. You'd have a, a allocated worker who'd work with you. Would you spend hours in here, just socialising, relaxing, or or was it like coming to a doctor's surgery? What what was the sort of atmosphere inside risky business? It would never, it would never like um, what you'd see as like a standard uh, place where you'd go in and get help or everything like that. They were actually quite a solid figure. So not only would we discuss things, but looking now as an adult the work that they were actually doing were around child sexual exploitation but at that time I didn't really click on to that's what it were really. We know from Jane Senior's book Broken and Betrayed we know that uh, she and her team in here they collect a lot of information didn't they about people like yourself and where they were groomed who the groomers were the relationship between the groomers the number plates the cars where, where people where the girls were carted around it, and presumably boys as well where they carted around it. And they kept all the information in, the, in there didn't they and they used to give that to social services to Rotherham Council South Yorkshire Police and then what happened? It just being ignored. Um, I know that I've been in a report in 2002. Uh, one of my perpetrators were in one of them, Shafina Ali. There were intelligence everywhere. 2006, where um, the police, um, I am somebody who um, deals in looking at statistics and things like that and what were going off. Um, Angie Hill, I was in her report as well. So um, it was literally everywhere, but they were ignored. They were. Um, basically treated like some mad women running around Rotherham making stories up but it was quite the opposite. Um, 
I don't think if it weren't for risky business, half of us wouldn't even be alive. So the, the council, social services, the police all thought you're mad women. Actually, the majority of you are underage girls who are going round and... Uh, had, uh, I mean, uh, you know, risky business workers. R- uh, the risky business workers, I mean, they were looking back, they were treated like um, a set of mad women running around rather than making stories up, you know. Um, and I just think, like, how was it because they were still they were covering it up so they had to get rid of every evidence or rid of anybody who would make that come to light i don't know um that's what it looks like um and you've you've kept in touch or you you you're with risky business for some time weren't you and and then and they helped you all the way through did they support you um or did some of the individuals from risky business do they support you when your perpetrator came to trial um, I went in, obviously Risky Business got shut down in, I think it was 2011, 12. Um, but obviously I'm still in touch with Jane Senior. And um, yeah, she's part of the court as well. Okay, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Well, here we are. We're sitting outside Rotherham Police Station, the South Yorkshire Police, the infamous South Yorkshire Police. Uh, we hear many stories, don't we, of how the South Yorkshire Police simply turned a blind eye when uh, then they were told about uh, young girls underage girls being groomed by older Asian men they completely turned an up, uh, a, a blind eye to it indeed sometimes they just accuse the girls of being prostitutes child prostitutes it's appalling absolutely appalling there was no way a girl, an underage girl can be a, a child prostitute uh, certainly not in this day and age when it's simply illegal it's simply illegal um Elizabeth, you've not had particularly good experiences yourself with uh, South Yorkshire Police, have you? No, absolutely terrible, to be fair. Um, I mean, when I was growing up, we were always learnt to respect police officers and that they were supposed to be there to protect, protect those that in need. What what I found growing up was, um, especially in my teenage years, that they don't protect the victim, they protect the criminal. Um, Many occasions they, they they fed me to the lions, and I always said I I always say to them, and say quite publicly, is the fact that South Yorkshire Police were absolutely complicit in my abuse by 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 allowing it. And how far do you think it was political correctness? They didn't like to criticise an ethnic minority, and you're a white girl. Is that, that a, a factor, or do you think there are other factors, or what? What we've seen is in um, Rotherham is. They were like it with Pakistani girls. Um, I don't. I don't particularly think that it was because of my of my race. But obviously, if we look at the IOPC report that I received earlier this year, where my dad had rang up and spoke to somebody quite high in the police, and he turned round and said, "We didn't do it because of fears of re- racial tension." My complaint were actually upheld, and I think they allowed my abuse and other people's for a fear how they actually went home and went to sleep knowing that children were being tortured abused in the most horrific ways possible i'll never know for the fear of racial tension yeah. they didn't want racial, trying to keep the racial tension down in in rotherham i i always wanted to believe that it wasn't because of that but then when I received my IOPC report and the, the complaint had actually been upheld, it were absolutely crazy. 
people being abused, children being abused, families let down, the likes of risky business being ignored for the sake of a fear. Elizabeth, thank you very much indeed. As you'll see, we are parked right outside Rotherham Police Station. Uh, we thought it was probably not a good idea to do the interview right on the steps of the station there. They might come and inter the police there might come and inter interfere. They certainly wouldn't like what we've got to say about them, uh, and they may decide that they were going to move us on. So we decided we'd sit in a car and uh, have the interview. But there it is. That's the infamous South Yorkshire Police Station at Rotherham, the source of all sorts of woes, difficulties and injustice. OK, well, now we're sitting outside Rotherham Social Services and Children's Services, who, of course, are responsible for looking after well-being, have a duty of care towards the young people of, uh, of Rotherham. Um, Elizabeth, uh, were social services helpful for you? Um, they gave me a support worker, but not... She weren't really any use. Um, absolutely, to put it bluntly, hated me, so... Um, it she, the support worker social services gave you hated you? Yeah. So she's no good to you? No. Um, she put a lot down to saying that I'd got behavioural problems and stuff like that, but she weren't very much use and she was just another one in the long line of people that failed. Okay, thanks. So I'm standing here outside Rotherham Town Hall with Elizabeth and Elizabeth has got a bit of surprising news. She told me just a few minutes ago that she is thinking of standing, indeed planning to stand, against the leader of Rotherham Council, the Labour leader of Rotherham Council, Chris Reid, in his ward of Wickersley next May when their local elections come up. Uh, Elizabeth, tell us why you're going to stand against Chris Reid. Um, because we're still not seeing any changes and I think he's had his opportunity to make this town better and it, it just doesn't seem to get any better. Um, we need change. Do you hold um, Rotherham Labour Party and Rotherham Council responsible for inaction over the whole grooming gang scandal? I think Labour's played a big part in what's happened in this town as we can see all over the country really. Wherever Labour's dominated we've, we've found this problem. So, yeah. It's primarily the Labour Party, although, of course, the Labour Tory Party is also responsible in certain areas, but primarily the Labour Party problem. Yeah. And, of course, they've dominated Rotherham Council for years, haven't they, now? Uh, yeah, they have, yeah. Uh, at a time when, actually, the, the government stepped in and, and sacked them all, effectively, didn't they, for a period of time. They come back, come back in and they carry on the same as before. Yeah, we, we do. We need change. Um, and I think the only way forward is getting rid, really. So you're going to be courageous enough to stand against Chris Reid himself? He's in Wickersley Ward, you're going to stand against him there? I'm going to have a go, yeah. Good on you, I think that's fantastic, really good, thank you. Elizabeth, you've been let down by all sorts of authorities all over the place through the whole, your whole experience of the whole grooming gang issue uh, for yourself. And even now you've been let down recently, haven't you, by the prison authorities? Can you tell us a bit about that? Um, basically, um, in September... I got a phone call and uh, I got a phone call in the morning basically saying that it were my annual um, annual checkup of um, the victims contact scheme that I had to go into um, to be told when he'd be getting out and things like that um, and then later on that day 
she rang me back and said she'd been reviewing this uh, system and it had turned out that it had been transferred to open prison without anybody knowing. So your perpetrator, the bloke who's in prison because of what he did to you, was suddenly transferred to an open prison, which makes it better without anybody, anybody telling you. Yeah, I, um, the victim's unit and nowhere was told the prison had just took it upon themselves to move him um, because apparently he's low risk. So they didn't tell you, they didn't tell the victims' union who's there to support you and keep you going. They, the police, the, the, not the police, the prison just authorities just did it. Yeah, they did. Yeah. And how do you feel about that? Well, I just think when when are victims going to have real justice? Um, you go through a process, and not all are being failed. Well, historic victims being failed, going through everything again, fighting to be believed like you've been fighting well, like me, off my life, to then go to court and get sent to prison because you finally believed, so you get a little bit of justice, to be then told at two and a half years down the line that he's low risk because he's, he's not a threat to abscond from prison. So to, to them, he's not low risk. How do you feel about that? Well, he ain't low risk. He's, he's actually high risk. He's a sexual offender um, that offends against children. So, um, all, all the other authorities are saying that he's high risk. The reason why he won't be transferred back to closed prison is because he's not a threat to um, abscond. So that's the only reason, that's the reason they give it. So they're not going to put him back into high security, they can leave him in open prison. You weren't informed, but they think he's no threat to anybody. Yeah, and then I've just got to have an apology and think that's all right. So yet again, you're just abused by the system, aren't you, the authorities? They get no respect, nothing, just you're not important to them. Yeah, it's same old, same old. Um, my question is, when are victims going to actually have rights? Elizabeth, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Well, here we are at uh, Rotherham Central Station on our way home after a long day. Peter, what have you made of it? been a long day but it's been really worthwhile it was great to chat to Elizabeth and obviously go around some of the the places in Rotherham uh, that she knows well and are infamous for what's happened uh, obviously it was good chatting to her father um, understanding from his aspect so it's been really worthwhile my first time up in Rotherham and uh, it is a um, a lot to take in it really is a lot to take in from everything that's happened from the failures of the institutions so I hope you enjoy it uh, enjoy is a strong word uh, I hope you find it informative um, and we'll certainly continue to bring similar uh, pieces to you in future and obviously we have interviewed Elizabeth on camera uh, on live stream so it was good to actually get up here and be with her for the day and, and chat to her so yeah it's been worthwhile I think she appreciated it as well mm. telling her story and getting it out there she's quite aggrieved at how badly she's been treated by yeah, the authorities, yeah. uh, all the authorities, and uh, it's her chance to get her story out, so it's been good from that point of view. Very good. Yeah. So, thank you for watching. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list, donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofoak.org. Thank you for listening.